Smartcast. You are listening to a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hi, welcome to this edition of Why Not Mint Money. Inflation, the Russia-Ukraine war, rising crude oil prices, and U.S. Federal Reserve rate hikes have lashed markets globally. Mint asked the panel of experts whether this is a buyer's or a seller's market. The experts are Shankar Sharma, Vice Chairman and MD of First Global, Nilesh Shah, Group President and MD of Kotak Mahindra Mutual Fund, Deepak Shunai, Founder and CEO of Capital Mind, and Nikhil Kamath, Co-Founder of Zerodha. Let's listen in. Hi, welcome to Why Not Mint Money, a personal finance podcast where we help you understand basic money concepts and share strategies for you to build your wealth. So let's get started on your money journey. Let me first invite Nikhil Kamath to lay out the bearish case yeah thank you neil i think we have like three or four big issues uh, i would say not particularly for india a lot of these are global but they do affect us in india uh, i think for a long time uh, you know uh, the trade deficit has been a problem but ever since this rally in crude and uh, commodity price inflation uh, i think it's becoming a bigger and bigger issue uh, of late at 20 billion dollar plus per month i don't think it will take a long time for india to in a way run out of the reserves that we have uh inflation again uh, uh you know even today even with 8% inflation uh, and them raising the federal funds rate to 1.6 or 1.7 there does not seem to be a lo- logical path as to how they will contain inflation by virtue of doing that i think this is a issue which is uh not just in the us but across the world uh i would say trade deficit i would say inflation uh, a general slowdown in the economy i think we were slowing down pre pandemic uh at a significant pace uh but we seem uh, to have a structural problem in the country uh, yeah so for these three or four reasons i would say market seem uh, expensive uh, i could even argue that even today uh, on a relative basis Uh, india seems to have corrected lesser than other countries and those would probably be the starting points neil towards making a bear case right i have seen several data points which seem to suggest that the role of fiis is diminishing in our markets uh, nilesh what is your take on this um, you know do the fiis still command the same weight or are retail investors making a difference so neil investors are investors whether they are foreign or they are local both need to make money on their capital employed fpis were owning 21.5% of nsc 200 at the peak holding in march 22 they came down to 19.5% and based on the selling of april may and june probably they are somewhere around 19% in recent times they were at the lower of 18.6%. So undoubtedly they are an important part of our market. They have been selling for last 7-8 months. But that's probably also because India has delivered double the return of its emerging market peers in last 8 years. As oil prices go higher, we will get impacted because our oil intensity is higher and probably india is the only market where they are able to get an exit without much price impact because there is domestic investor buying in 
So FPIs continue to play an important role in our market. And while it is encouraging that domestic retail investors are participating in market, we need to augment domestic and global capital together to pursue higher growth. So Nilesh, you therefore concur with Nikhil's bearish assessment that this correction has a lot further to run. So India is a country which does not disappoint an optimist or a pessimist. In my opinion, a lot will depend upon how events shape up. What if tomorrow there is a political solution to Ukraine? The war comes to an end and oil prices come down. In that scenario, certainly market outlook will be brighter. The second thing could be, what if US removes sanction on Iran, Venezuela? What if it persuades Saudi Arabia to break OPEC cartelization and energy prices come down? Undoubtedly, as Nikhil mentioned, we run higher trade deficit. But we import about $70 billion of gold every year. This is at the current run rate of $6 billion a month. Now, gold is not an item of consumption. It is an item of investment. We are paying $50, $60 billion extra for higher oil prices. So if tomorrow things change, certainly market outlook will also change. Right. So essentially, we need an external trigger like the war coming to an end or the cartel, the OPEC cartel um, going away or being reduced some, in some way. Deepak, um, how do you see this? You very famously wrote a piece where uh, where you explained how retail investors seem to be driving the market. Uh, is that not the case anymore? I think the retail investor continues to drive the trading volumes in the market. Uh, and that has come about. It's not something new. India has always had a 20% plus uh, uh, you know, uh, volumes coming in from retail. And this time it's gone. It went all the way to 40. And now it's down to uh, about 30%. Uh, possibly and they continue to be drivers in the futures and options markets it's just that retail investors don't seem to hold their positions too long because uh, after all of this they own like 9% of all the stocks in uh, terms of market cap uh, uh, mutual funds own about 9 or 10% uh, FIs own about 19% promoters own roughly 15, uh, 50% of the overall uh, uh, market cap in India so the people, um, you know, so I think retail investors continue to drive uh, volumes. They just don't seem to hold. Um, having said that, I I mean, I don't think there will be uh, a position where retail investors alone are able to counter, for instance, a uh, large amount of selling by foreign institutional investors, which although has happened at a brisk, brisk pace, we haven't seen liquidation level selling from foreign investors yet, as in that they will sell at any price. Uh, and they have done this in the past. It has happened in 2008. It's happened in 2020. Uh, and we uh, haven't seen that liquidation level selling, uh, which, you know, uh, at which time we'll actually see, really see whether domestic players are able to uh, offset in any meaningful way whatever is happening uh, 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 in terms of the selling by FPIs. Uh, it's a normal part of markets though. Uh, you know, we have only 16% from the top. Right. Um, so, so far we focused on flows and who is driving the market, FII or, D, or DII. Um, but really in the long term, fundamentals matter. 
and there how does the scenario for india look shankar uh, how do you see this so india is basically andho mein kana raja situation so while our fundamentals are not worth you know a lot but relative to fundamentals elsewhere we are looking absolutely smashingly good and in markets that's that's usually good enough to ensure at least one thing which is outperformance so i don't think absolute returns are uh, anywhere on the horizon just yet that will happen that will change markets are not permanently good or bad but fundamentally speaking we have our own problems we have our challenges we have seen how you know uh, sort of our debt to gdp our, our trade deficits our actually the twin deficits themselves are on a very very worrisome path for sure and it can only worsen from here given where the rupee is headed which i think is sharply lower so all things considered we have our problems not that india is in some other planet with no problems we have problems but relative to what one observes in the us for example or even in china for example which are let's say the two major economies in this world uh, and of course latin america has another set of problems so relative to the world we are looking good on fundamentals so that's all i can say and therefore i do believe that while you know we will hurt we are hurting we will hurt a lot lot less than rest of the world so i think if people had a choice of if i had a you know choice of putting market into um, putting money into only one market that would be india as simple as that it does not mean i'm going to make quick bucks quick gains it'll it'll be a painful process out of this current uh, pickle of a situation but it is the least worst option for a for an investor who has options to invest globally that's actually quite heartening because if fii's are getting out they are making stocks at good fundamentals cheaper for the likes of us uh, so Nisha, would you agree with so you? now so now no no let me add to that the fii's are getting out of stocks where they can get out of okay the interesting thing here is that those are precisely the stocks that you should not be owning because they are actually overvalued stocks i mean for example banks are 35 40% on the index most fii's own truck loads of them they have been overweight and grossly wrong on most of them for the last several years for so for that matter mutual funds and uh, those are saleable they are large and liquid names but they are not great investments so they are selling those doesn't mean you have to necessarily go and buy those in fact the under owned part of the market by fii's is really the small and the smallest part smallest cap part of the market and that is the area where you you will actually be let's say less vulnerable to large sell offs by fpis and fii's or whatever you want to call them because they will sell what what can be sold you cannot for the love of or for money sell a small cap stock in a market like today's for example it's they they become non saleable and fpis don't anyway own a lot of them so that's actually in a perverse way the safest part of the market from the brunt of fpi selling despite the seller rally in small caps over the past few years yes so i believe that is a single best uh, part of the market that that i can see where notwithstanding the current sell off a year from now many many stocks will be a lot higher nikhil would you agree with that assessment that uh, smaller caps offer refuge in this in this uh, sell off to a certain extent uh, maybe but uh, 
I think smaller cap companies also tend to have a lesser moat around them. Uh, they're they're not generally sitting on a lot of liquidity, and they generally are a bit more levered than larger cap companies. So maybe in the current scenario, yeah. But when things get worse, if things get worse, another twenty percent down if markets were to go there. Now the other big rotation that's happening, and you know, for, for the past more than couple of months, is from growths to value stocks. Um, Nilesh, to what extent do you think you know staying in value will shield one from uh, the overall sell-off? So growth value, growth at reasonable price. These are all the you know class and compartments created by investors. At the end of the day, you make money by balancing between your greed and fear, by focusing upon valuation. now there were companies which were cheap and hence called value they got re-rated based on certain events like coal prices went up coal companies went up power cost power prices went up power company went up so my recommendation is that let's not fragment yourself in growth versus value versus gar focus on buying good companies run by good managers available at good prices very easy to say very difficult to execute now nikhil you yours 50% hedged in true beacon but is there a approximate level i'm not going to exact numbers here but is there an approximate level where you think the market becomes attractive so neil up until today i think today for the first time in a long time uh, we saw like a 500 point correction from 920 to 330 and uh, there was basically no attempt at a recovery whatsoever uh, so i don't think there was much panic in the market up until today you know we went up from 7 and a half 8000 to 18 and a half thousand and maybe we sit at 15 and a half thousand today which in isolation might not seem like a significant correction whatever 18 19 20% right but things are starting to look like you know people are panicking for the first time and and generally in market cycles whatever i have seen uh, things get a lot worse before they start to get better so i would say uh, that true panic has not come into the market yet uh, the one thing we can all kind of agree on is inflation on the ground pragmatically it feels like it's a lot higher than the 7-8% official number and if it were to actually be higher I think interest rates will have to go up for a significant amount of time uh, before they're truly contained even in India uh, so if interest rates go up to that you know like 10% level uh, which today has become fathomable to a certain extent uh, there will be corporate margins which hurt a lot Uh, you take anything from real estate to you know, manufacturing take take the most levered of industries to begin with i think margins will see significant impact so how much you downgrade earnings in the next year or in 2024 i think that's a very tough question for someone to answer because uh, nobody truly knows where interest rates will be 2 years from now and how much corporate margins will get impacted but the one thing i can say fairly is the pain does not seem like it's over and i don't think the next two years will probably be like uh, the crazy bull markets of the previous year or the previous two years that we witnessed i think there will be pain and 
I don't think it'll be short-term pain, but it'll be long-lasting pain. Uh, we seem to be heading towards quite a, a bearish consensus here. Uh, can I invite anybody who'd like to offer some kind of um, positive that investors can focus on? I can I can say one thing. If all of us are bearish, it's probably a good thing for the market, right? Generally, <laughs> when we all have consensus, the opposite happens. <laughs> so, Neil, I don't think so. We are bearish or bullish. We need little bit of luck to change the narrative. If energy prices come down, this whole narrative on inflation will disappear and markets will rebound. The FPIs have sold but remember in March 20, they were selling without any limit. In October, November 20, they came to buy at higher prices. So we have to focus on our growth. Today we are in far better situation despite current challenges compared to other countries. Sure. Uh, so India is better on a relative basis as Shankar also said. Um, and, and in the long run, fundamentals win out. But in the short run, there will be a lot more pain. That's That seems to be the broad consensus here. Deepak, you want to add to that? I just want to add. I mean, I'm very bullish longer term. I uh, just don't feel that right now is a great... Uh, uh, I mean, this is a function of liquidity. When you take out money from a market... Um, uh, in general, worldwide, and, and that's what's happening. The RBI has contracted its balance sheet by 500,000 crores. Well, not uh, uh, the excess liquidity has come down by about 500,000 crores in general in the economy, and that's been driven by the RBI. The Fed has not yet even started, uh, and they've only started talking about doing it from now on. In such a situation, you you can be bullish about the economy, and the economy will do well. But the markets will uh, not perform correspondingly because liquidity is what drives markets. So we can be bullish about the economy. It's a great country. It's a great this thing. But, you know, markets will behave uh, badly when liquidity goes out of them. And some stability is reached. Uh, it's like you have to brace for impact, take the pain and move on. It doesn't make sense to, uh, uh, you know, at least for me, it doesn't make sense to be uh, to say that I'm because I'm bearish, I'm, I don't like the Indian economy, or because I think the markets may fall more, that I don't like the economy. I think economically we will do well. It's just that markets may not uh, correspondingly perform. Uh, Deepak, uh, I have a question. Uh, do you have any indicator uh, that will tell you that the markets are bottomed out? If I had one, I wouldn't tell anybody. I did. <laughs> Nice. Uh, Shankar, do you have any indicator? Yeah, yeah, there are many indicators, boss. Many indicators, not one. Uh, can you but, share but if I tell, But if I tell <laughs> you, I'll have to, I will have to kill you. <laughs> you know, we don't have a lot of bearish commentary in India. In fact, we have Cat3 AIFs, which are technically hedge funds. But I haven't heard of one which is net short. Uh, Nikhil, if you could elaborate on that. Yeah, so Neil, in CAT 3, I mean, you can be net short, but the problem is taxation. Uh, so on the short side of the portfolio, the derivative side of the portfolio, they tax you as a trust and you end up paying 43% tax on the gains made on the short side. So if you net turn profitable by being short, you pay like 43% of that as tax. That's a big problem. Interesting. That's like an inbuilt long bias. Now, the other thing I was curious about is are global markets better than us in some ways? I mean, 
you know a year ago we were talking about how the tech titans would take over the world the zooms the metas now all of that seems to have gone into reverse so have the fundamentals there changed nikhil so neil we are a very very small market like i feel like we've done an incredible job of marketing and branding what we truly are uh, i was looking at some data earlier today and the number of unique investors who trade in the equity market on a daily basis in india is something like you know 15 lakh people at the peak it was 20 25 lakh people we we're not we're not a very large market like compared to say america by virtue of market cap or by virtue of the number of investors or traders uh, you know we're next to insignificant you know we have tech companies here in india but Uh, there is very little innovation that truly really happens in india even companies like ours and companies in in our ecosystem we are we are companies which are able to kind of regurgitate what has happened in the west and replicate better and those companies scale in india uh, structurally that is a problem for india that so little innovation so little money actually goes towards research in india for that reason alone i think american companies continue to remain uh, extremely attractive both by virtue of the fact that they spend most innovation dollars and they truly have scale so to put it succinctly yes there are kind of better companies at least in the tech space in the us uh, you would say and uh, some of them seem to be trading on even cheaper valuations so the tech stocks in america Are really cheap. They have been cheap for the last two years. Also, I mean, I've looked at those companies. You look at even Fang stocks, or you know, just slightly south of the Fang stocks. I mean, mid-teen multiples for really globally sized and scaled companies. While in India, even for you know very mediocre companies, forty, fifty, eighty, hundred times earnings has been par for the course. And not just in the last two years, but I mean over decades. Which is why I've always felt that. Uh, you know it's just india many indian companies do not deserve these multiples uh, and i've been wrong they've traded these multiples now consistently i think for 25 years all your fmcg set has been north of 50 times earnings as a general pack uh, even our banks have traded at four five times book value again insanely high relative to most other banks Uh, so india is not a cheap market and us has been a really cheap market on the tech side i mean really amazingly cheap but that said i have never believed that valuation itself is the be all and end all of making money in stock markets i mean overvalued things can keep getting more and more overvalued we have seen that over cycles undervalued things can remain undervalued a long time and in india in fact you know this is a you know i, I we have heard that in the 90s also and we used to joke about it that the pe ratio the num- is basic nothing but a representation of the number of years a company remains in business us tech is has been cheap but i don't think they are great buys because in a lot of ways the go go years for them are probably you know behind them uh, ultimately if you think about it a lot of those companies will hit a wall in terms of where they can grow because china is shut out for almost all of them Shankar, if not US tech, then is there any sector or market that does currently represent good value? I'm telling you, Indian small caps, guys. I mean, <laughs> take a look at a company like Wadila. Okay, I bought the stock at a thousand rupees in March. Today it is nineteen hundred rupees. Who says Indian stock, Indian market has been a terrible market? 
I'm giving you one example. I can give you 25 more. The point is that in a bear market, we are in a bear market. Let us accept it. Okay. You will have to work harder to get to those 25, 50 names. Okay. In a bull market, all of us need to show up. That's it. You need to show up. You will make money. You'll go home. This is not that market. This is a tough market. In a tough market, you will need to be very nimble, agile, hardworking, figuring out companies, meeting companies. In a bull market, you don't need to meet every, you know, anybody. It's a broad trend you're betting with. So, as I said, India small caps are a fantastic place to be in. And I remain absolutely firm in my view that a year from now, many of those companies would be up significantly. Or at least will not be down as much as broad markets in India and globally might be. Fair enough. Um, one other solution, of course, that's often discussed to this kind of market is asset allocation. Um, and, you know, AMCs across the country have products aimed squarely at that. Um, Nilesh, how much can asset allocation uh, really protect investors? So the question, Neil, is does trader want a protection? Does investor want a protection? Even in today's market, most equity funds returns are in double digit from second year onwards. And it is negative on a one year basis. Now, if you can take the downside, then certainly asset allocation will protect an investor. Asset allocation does not mean that you don't have to take downside. There is no free lunch in the market. You have to take upside as well as downside. And today, there are different kinds of asset allocation funds which are available. So, if you are an investor looking for a long-term investment, asset allocation funds are like fill it, shut it, forget it kind of fund. It does not protect you from downside, but it ensures that in a cheaper market, you are adding asset classes. In an expensive market, you are booking profit. We have our balance advantage fund which does allocation between debt and equity it can go between 20 to 80 percent in cash equity depending upon market valuation in jan 20 we were at 39 percent equity with the benefit of hindsight we should have been 20 percent but fair enough 39 was not bad in march 20 we were at 75 percent equity we should have been 80%, but fair enough, 75 is not bad. Today, we are at roughly 49% equity. And I'm sure today we would have bought something more. So, asset allocation can give you a discipline. It can't protect you from downside. There is no free lunch. Uh, Nilesh, so just continuing along that, we have a feature where we ask uh, fund managers how they invest their own portfolios. And if I could just ask you the broad asset allocation question that, you know, how much would you be in equity and how much in uh, debt? So my portfolio right now is about 70% in equity and about 30% in real estate, debt, gold and offshore assets. You're, I mean, quite strongly uh, affected by the market in terms of your portfolio. But of course, you would have a much higher risk appetite than the ordinary investor, just to make that clear. So my risk appetite is not higher. I am not leveraged. I never leverage. But I am a long-term investor and hence this 70-30 I can afford. Yeah, 
fair enough uh, and nilesh uh, just one follow up question how much cash are you in right now so i really don't have luxury of keeping cash uh, whatever money comes goes by way of my sip into nps and mutual fund and bearing those emergency money which my wife will require i hardly have any cash balance yeah fair enough uh, i think it's time for closing comments um so nikhil can we start we began with you so uh, we'll take the first closing comment from you yeah sure so just as a theme uh, neil i think uh, you know there's a very interesting book called donut economics it talks about uh, how we have been convinced to think that growth is good and how companies are made to believe that you have to constantly grow and that makes you a better company uh, i think ignoring the economics of it all uh, the world will have uh, many other problems in the future that we might not have seen in our own past in the last 20 years or whatever uh and we might arrive at this point where growth comes at a cost and uh, you know countries which have done well the developed western countries they've done done that on the back of you know a lot of carbon and a lot of uh, extracting resource from from the planet in a way but for the emerging companies emerging countries like india i think when when the future turns to a place where you have to kind of like justify the the cost of the environment uh, we might somehow suddenly be stuck in this place where western nations have taken advantage of that same resource but it might become harder for us to do the same uh, so i personally feel companies which mitigate that over the next decade or two uh, it could be com- companies around uh, better sources of uh, storing energy it could be uh, a uh, better form of creating electricity transmission uh, you know it could be a geoengineering company which uh, is able to manipulate temperature in a certain region uh, it could be something that you know kind of like uh, cleans up the water and makes a serious impact in pollution or reduces air pollution in delhi for example i think that's a huge industry we don't have any companies of scale which are operating around that in india Uh, but that might become the theme of the next two decades like maybe it was the theme of the last two decades and uh, you know personally when i'm investing through my fund uh, on the private side i constantly look for companies like this there again the problem is that a lot of this innovation lies outside of india but we have to figure out how to inculcate these companies in india and then really back them because uh, that will probably be relevant in the decades to come right shankar right so first and foremost you know one of the key things to remember is that we've had a pretty long not india india has been in a i still believe we are in a bear market and we have been so for the last i don't know 13 years if you look at the compounded returns from january 2008 up until now we are still barely you know in the 8 or 9% kind of territory which is nothing for a high interest rate economy like india so if you only look at a recency bias driven mindset the last two years have been good but on a long term basis indian equities have delivered extremely disappointing returns so to that extent we are better off because things that do the best do the worst in a bear market and the us 
has done the best over the last 11 13, or 12 years right right from let's say 2010 11 onwards when the emerging markets went into a relative bear market and us went into a huge relative bull market that cycle i think has run its course and therefore i think the us will hurt us consumption is hurting as i just mentioned us tech companies the big drivers of the us tech bull market have probably hit a wall in terms of their growth options uh, so i think us will hurt a lot more than the rest of the world merely because it did the best and remember there's a lot of irresponsibility by central banks of the developed world not to say that our central banks in asia have done much better because even in india debt to gdp is now i think in the mid 90s now which used to be in the mid 60s about 6 years back so there has been profligacy for right or wrong reasons across the world the west has taken it to a different level i think all of that had to have a cost it could not be cost free that you could just you know do all that you did without really at the core fixing the core economic problems that led to the 2008 crisis so you just open the spigots you made an ordinary set of sprinters into ben johnsons by this permanent dose of steroids but ultimately there were ben johnsons we are realizing that now and uh, you know we, we know we know how that story ended we know this story is also going to end badly at least for the developed countries therein lies opportunity for emerging markets that's why i think on a relative basis india is absolutely the best market that i can see i think even china relatively will will, will do well because it has been a dog market over the last uh, you know year or two years if you look at chinese internet stocks baba is up 25% in the last month's time uh, you know netis is up jd is up so a lot of chinese companies are delivered have beaten the numbers estimates and have done actually very well uh, you know in the last one one and a half months of carnage so i think the needle is moving towards ems away from the developed markets and which is which which should make domestic indian investors who are limited in terms of their options to invest overseas very very happy indeed deepak yeah yeah so i think you know quite interesting from a dis- from a discussion angle i think um um i would say india has a tremendous amount of inefficiencies and therefore it uh, uh, they're just bridging those inefficiencies whether it is in the logistics areas whether it is in um, um whether it is in transportation whether it is in uh, communication all of these inefficiencies will be broken down uh, either through technology or through new companies or through existing companies expanding their offerings over the course of the next decade or so this is where the massive opportunities lie because i think this is where uh, uh, you know the biggest growth stories of the next decade will be formed i think our country has largely been uh, too focused on things like uh, aluminum and steel and all of that stuff as players in indexes i think is the players that will break down inefficiencies that will survive i don't know if a lot of them will you know uh, uh, are are even born today but i do know that a lot of players are still playing example in electric vehicles it's not about being green but it's actually about being substantially more efficient running an engine which is uh, uh, which is feasible today running off of a battery providing greater horsepower lower uh, uh, maintenance cost and a much uh, uh, you know a much smoother ride 
with no need for moving parts and all of that this will change the world it will change india as well it will change india in probably different ways from the way it changed the world the internet uh, uh, in on your handheld mobile changed india in a way that i think uh, has never seen before and a lot more things will come going forward i believe here is the opportunity the next few months may still be problematic for the markets but i don't think you should let that blindside you into believing that india is uh, uh you know a basket case because i think uh, i think everybody here on the panel also has, has said this and reiterated there is there is a substantial uh, uh substantially good position india is in and i'll add two things over here the one things that are bothering the world today are inflation because they haven't seen it we've seen a lot of it we don't have a problem if the price of a dosa goes up from 25 rupees to 50 rupees in the course of 10 years america has problems if the price of fuel goes up from 3 dollars to 5 dollars in the course of 20 years so they haven't been used to inflation we are perfectly used to it we know where uh, uh, we we are uh, uh, a little more capable of handling it and two areas where inflation has affected the world today or is affecting it is food and fuel both of which are relatively less in india india's fuel inflation right now on a year on year basis is a lot lesser because the government has cut taxes and all of that stuff uh, but also um, uh, uh, food inflation is relatively lower compared to the rest of the world because we make a lot of the food that we eat and we don't allow our food to be exported for the most part so i believe we'll come out of this stronger uh, or both because the crisis is uh, 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 you know is going to hurt us a le- little bit less economically markets of course it will hurt us more because like uh, nikhil said we really small markets we trade 48000 crores a day today and a day like today we trade 48000 crores that's like one stock in the us for about 3 hours our whole market put together intraday plus uh, you know uh, delivery stocks traded just less than what one us stock would trade for 3 hours in a day it's that small so we will get affected from a market perspective but i think economy wise which is what matters in the probably the longer run we should do really well in the next decade so i think focus more on the next decade and um, you know uh, brace for impact in the next few months it's almost the reverse of covid right where we expected the economy to go down and the markets did well it's it's almost like the reverse of that last word to you well neil what happened with indian cricket team is happening now with indian economy in the 50s 60s 70s 80s you could almost say that indian cricket team was shivaji park jimkhana cricket team there were five or six players from mumbai around him the entire cricket used to evolve and then there were many urban participants that team occasionally used to win most of the time used to draw and couple of times also lose the match then democratization democratization happened people from semi urban and rural india also started coming into play dhoni came from ranchi samban kapil dev came from chandigarh though it can't be called a rural area but this democratization changed the indian cricket team now we go and win the test matches sometimes we draw and occasionally we lose we have become number one test team on a almost consistent basis the same thing is happening in indian economy earlier our growth was di- driven by large entrepreneurs the house of tatas birlas zambanis now there is availability of capital 
too deserving idea i couldn't become businessman because my parents didn't have enough capital my daughters don't need my capital because if they have idea they'll go and raise it in the market and this democratization or availability of capital will unleash the entrepreneurial spirit keep the faith on long term india story there is no free lunch in the market so my recommendation keep the faith sip karo mast raho indeed well said uh, on that note thank you very much um, it was a very instructive discussion and um, i hope that in these troubling times uh, you've got some more uh, information and some more insights to uh, guide you thank you everyone thank you thank you thank you neil thanks everyone That's all today. If you have any questions, you can write to us at mintmoney@redlyman.com. This was a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast.